What's up, all you beautiful people? Welcome back to another episode of The Strange Road. Guess what, baby? It's Wednesday, and we got strange happenings coming right at you. We have an awesome show tonight. I see everybody's already in the chat hanging out, Bub. What do you think about that? We've got huh? some uh, some early risers. Uh, <clears throat> well, I'll tell you what, guys. We got an interesting week this week. We got a lot going on. Uh, we live streamed on Monday. Uh, a lot of you guys were there for that episode, uh, which was with Giordano Rossi. What a fantastic episode that was. Thank you all who were there and got to, uh, you know, hear all about Gio's journey and just, uh, not your typical scientist. So really different episode. Uh, it was awesome. And, uh, you know, <sighs> We're just going to keep moving forward. We've not got another great episode uh, coming up on Monday, which is another live stream. Uh, Born Not to Run, you were the man, the best moderator in the business. Who do we all got here? David Burke, Psychedelic Bodega. Jay Lamb, what's up, my brother? Uh, we've got uh, Audacious Amber. Welcome, Audacious Amber. Sess in the City. Cryptids of the Corn, what's happening, dude? We're going to be hanging out with Mr. E and Jay from Cryptids of the Corn all weekend. Uh, if you guys are going to be at Frogman Fest. We popped it in the Discord already and let everybody know if you want to come hang out the afterwards uh, each night and uh, mix it up. We're going to be giving some details and some, what, what we're going to be up to uh, in the Discord. So if you're not in the Discord, join the Discord. If you're going to be heading to Frogman Fest, that's where a lot of the info is going to be. Um, who else we got in here? We got uh, Necro Mechanimal, of course. Necro is the man. Follow him on Instagram at Necro Mechanimal. Uh, check out the episode artwork he did for Monday. Uh, Gio liked it so much, he, he sent it to his mom. And his mom was absolutely dying laughing, apparently. So he, he enjoyed it, and we were having a good laugh before we went live on Monday. So appreciate the heck out of you, man. Uh, and Frogman Fest, guys, frogmanfest.org. Um, I actually have the website pulled up, and we're just going to kind of go over what's happening this weekend because there's a lot. Uh, Jeff Craig from Map and Black. Uh, who else? Did I, did I not shout everybody else out? Sess in the City, Dancing Lights, of course. Welcome. Uh, Bassarello Investidor. Welcome, welcome. Um, but uh, this weekend at Frogman Fest, I'm going to pull it right up for you guys. Give me one second. We're going to hit merge on that, baby. Uh, all the speakers are out. We have Ashley Hilt. She's actually going to be the MC. We have Cameron. We have Courtney Black. Uh, all these guys are authors, researchers. And, you know, Jeff's been kind of at it in the festival circuit for a long time. So the dude has just met so many people over the years. Our boy James A. Willis is going to be there. He's going to be giving his Frogman uh, presentation with which is incredibly comprehensive. We got the chance to see it. He's got some updated stuff this year. So, uh, you know, I would watch it 10 times in a row because there's so much that you would have to, um, you know, basically uh, watch it several times. Uh, our buddy Jeffrey Wilson, and we also have Kevin and Christina Smith are going to be there as well. Uh, sorry, Kevin Moore and Christina Smith. And... We have Sherry, uh, Sherry Brake and Surrey Angel as well. Uh, God, Bub, I kind of just hopped right into it. I didn't even introduce you. <laughs> I got a little I, uh, excited. I think you're doing just go for it. Do it. I, I'm not concerned. I mean, well, you got to do this anyways. It, yeah. So, or you're, I mean, uh, you're going to. So, I mean, it's no big deal. Yeah. 
Uh, but Bob, how the heck are you, dude? We were I'm like good. talking for the last hour, and then I just totally forgot you were there. <laughs> well, actually, you know why? Because I have this. Up. I have this other monitor, uh, this window up that's in front oh. of my V mix, so I literally could not see you at all. Uh, that's hilarious. I was, I was just uh, reading the chat and and all that. But uh, get after uh, it. You know, Bub's gonna be there. Stoner's gonna be there at Frogman Fest. Stoner's gonna be heading up the AV room. I'm gonna be kind of bouncing back and forth in between the AV room and uh, and the booth. So you know, if you're gonna be there all day, <clears throat> uh, you know, come come hang out. And Cameron, Courtney, and then also guys, there's the Frogman movie premiere that's happening too and they're premiering that on friday um and that's at friday at six o'clock i believe is uh when the movie premiere is happening uh check frogmanfestival.org to get all those details but i do know that the frogman movie premiere is going to be one showing on friday and one showing i believe on saturday as well so uh check that out you do have to purchase tickets to that it's kind of like a special pre-event on friday night that's happening um and you know we'll have all the links and stuff in here as well um so a lot of stuff going on. They have like a parade happening, uh, speakers, over 60 vendors. So there you go, guys. Frogman Fest is happening, and uh, we're super stoked. So all right, Bub. You guys ready to hit back in? Who else we got in here? Heather Lamb, John Burnett, Little Comb. What's up, dude? All right, everybody. Little Comb, that's my nephew. Uh, Little Comb, he's a YouTuber. He writes music. He's got a great Spotify channel. Check out his tunes. Check out his videos. Um, <clears throat> he's been putting out a lot of stuff, but he's also been helping out the Strange Road, helping us with some projects and uh, editing, getting some shorts, short videos, some social media stuff. Man, it's been been awesome. We hung out all all weekend last weekend and blasted out a bunch of shorts. Some of you guys probably saw though. I saw some comments from Julie. Shout out to her. Um, but uh, Flutz, what's happening? Welcome. <clears throat> so we're gonna hop right into it. If you want to get get us started, Bub, because this is a I think this is a sure. perfect perfect article for you. I just saw a video today on X where it made me think of this was a um, a bear that got into hallucinogenic honey. And yeah. it was uh, under the effects of it afterwards. But yeah, this is, you know, dolphins seem to use toxic puffer fish to get high. And albeit this is an old article from the ripe old year of 2013, um, it's still, it's just kind of interesting. You know, we've had our fair amount of guests on here recently, and especially with Geo just lately that, um, uh, you know, the researching into ayahuasca and Zeus with DMT and things like that, I it started getting me curious. And obviously there's other examples and uh, nature of other species that eat, you know, psychedelic substances, apparently. So, um, this comes from Smithsonian mag, the Smithsonian, there you go. Um, that's hilarious. Your I love buddies. a picture of the dolphin with the drug of its choice. What's up? Your buddies over at the Smithsonian. Oh yeah. They're good people. Um, <laughs> Humans aren't the only creatures that suffer from substance abuse problems. Horses eat hallucinogenic weeds. Elephants get drunk on overripe fruit. And bighorn mm -hmm. sheep love narcotic lichen. Monkeys' attraction to sugar-rich and ethanol-containing fruit, in fact, may explain our own attraction to alcohol, some researchers think. Um, now dolphins may join that list. Footage from a new BBC documentary, not new though, um, 
called Spy in the Pod, if you want to go find it or look it up, um, reveals what appears to be dolphins getting high off of pufferfish. So pufferfish produce a potent defensive chemical defense, right? And this is going to tie in so well, um, which they eject when threatened. So a pufferfish is like, hey, 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 don't rough me up. And it just drops everything it's holding. And then it just blasts you off into the next realm. And you're left wondering what just happened. So these dolphins, you know, <laughs> small enough doses, yep. however, the toxins seem to induce a trance-like state in the dolphins that come into contact with it. So maybe if your drive to eat the pufferfish is gone after that. But um, there's a little quote here. It says from the Daily News, <clears throat> dolphins were filmed gently playing with the puffer, passing it between each other for 20 to 30 minutes at a time. Unlike the fish they had caught as prey, which they were swiftly, you know, eaten and torn apart. Um, these puffer fish were passed back and forth between a lot of different dolphins. Right. And so that's where they started thinking, Hey, maybe there's something going on here. And again, you take passing a little bowl, pass well, a little bowl take, around, take the examples of every other species out there. And the one they just puff, said, puff, in pass. The, um, yeah right. There you go. What's makes oh, sense? Dude. Yeah, the original yeah. pufferfish. Pass them around. <laughs> hey, just don't hurt them. You know, he's just they're just they're they're shaking them down. People That's love the dolphins. People love dolphins. I mean, everybody loves dolphins. There's so many comments already. I mean, it, <laughs> you know, we've covered dolphins many times in strange happenings, uh, haven't we? Isn't that's that because weird? They're strange. Why? I don't think it's. I mean. <laughs> It just coincides. Like dolphins, that's yeah. just what they do. They're just weird. Yeah, they are. They're weird. not. They're not normal. Yeah. I don't think. Th- I don't know. <clears throat> Who knows? Maybe they. Maybe they're. Maybe they are the Atlanteans. Uh, yeah. Maybe they're. You know, from uh. Some people think that like dolphins and you know they're like ancient times. You know, maybe they were just like taken here as some kind of ex- an experiment. And just put in our oceans, you know. There's the the lady that talks, uh, communicates with dolphins. Uh, who was the yeah. John, John is she Lilly really, though? John Lilly, so, yeah. Who who knows? Uh, well, Barbara, she says that she does. Right. I'm gonna go right. full Ace Ventura on that one. Do you have a dorsal well, fin? Hey, you know, it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was the dolphin's name in Ace Ventura? Anybody go? Oh, you got it. Snowflake. That was quick. Oh, come that on. was real quick. By the way, Ace Ventura. Oh my, probably not a movie that'd be released in these modern times. You know, I, you, I don't know. I think you'd be surprised. Maybe <laughs> oh, I think no, it could man. make a comeback. We'll challenge it's... Jim Carrey. Of course, he watches the show. So Jim, get on it. I've got your autograph picture. <laughs> yeah, he hung does. Up on the wall now. Finally, hey, get, show everybody your autograph picture. Is it on the I wall? Can. It's hung up on the wall. I hung uh, up. Hey, I can't show it now. You know what, guys? We totally what? forgot, Bub. I spent all this time doing this, and oh, I yeah, never, yeah. Even, never even talked Do about it. it. Get back out of it. So here we go, guys. At rewind. There's the master control cam. Uh, this at, at Frogman Fest. We're gonna have a little booth set up. Here's a little mock-up that we're working with for the booth. Thought we'd show you guys. Here's the new t-shirt designs. There's the hoodie in the background. Hopefully you can kind of see it. I'm up on the GoPro wide. Um, but, uh, we're gonna have those for sale, especially at, uh, specifically at Frogman Fest. But of course, if you're in the disc, in the Discord, you like the shirts, hit us up. We're still trying to work out, uh, you know, how to, you know, be, People that sell T-shirts and hats and whatnot, but the hats are super dope. I'm actually going to get up real quick. Just pop this up. 
I'm just reading the chat here. This is getting interesting. People oh. do love dolphins. You guys love dolphins. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> All but right. Like, so, let's go back. Stuff. Oh, Urge. yeah. The hats are dope. Yeah, That's here's nice. the hats. Uh, branded Bills. I don't know if you guys have heard of Branded Bills, but uh, we came across these. Stoner's brother, actually. Chad. Shout out to Chad Stoner, yeah. man. Uh, Chad actually got us a Dig bunch them. of these for Christmas. And we're like, you know what? These are sweet. We should get a, get a hold of some of these. So hit us up, guys. Uh, little mock-up of, of the booth. We actually got two of those racks. And uh, Stoner's kind of creating a little stoner scene, if you will. Um, and, uh, it should be dope. So come hang out, come chill with us. It's going to be yeah. a good time. Like I said, Bob will talk your ear off. And, oh, yeah. uh, that's really his oh, only yeah. job all weekend. I have some responsibilities, but Bob, you are like know, literally the booth, bro. Yeah. Oh, I got to have a hat. Justin Lamb. Hey, we'll, 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 uh, you know, we will, the whole stoner family helping out with the show. They all help out with the show. Let me tell you, uh, Cody, uh, shout out to Cody, Kyle's younger brother, who's been shooting concerts and festivals and video for, with us for years. He's a really, really talented camera operator, talented video guy. Um, but he made a piece of art with the little Loveland Frogman months ago. And we're going to have that especially for sale as well, which, Dummy me, it's sitting in a packed box right now. So, um, yeah, little Loveland Frogman creature from the old, uh, the, uh, the younger stoner, if you will. But, uh, all right. Well, we can hop back into it. We've got a lot of, a lot of things happening in the chat, bub. I don't know. Frogman Fest is in Ohio, Amber. Ah, there you go. Yep. Frogman Fest. Have fruit in there. See, I probably didn't even say that in the beginning. Like I said, yeah. I, I skipped over a whole bunch. Frogman Fest is at the Oasis Conference Center in Loveland, Ohio. And uh it's there's uh hotels, the Hilton Gardens right down the road. Um but it is a one day festival. It's on uh the second, but Friday on the first, Friday evening, they're doing a special uh premiere of the Frogman movie. So some of you guys that are just coming in, um we're gonna be helping <clears throat> to play back that the the film and with the audio and stuff like that. And then I believe it's playing again on Saturday. So but you do have to get your tickets, frogmanfestival.org. Um, and go check that out. But yes, it is this Saturday, Loveland, Ohio, Oasis Conference Center. Um, we got Burton from Local Legends. Burton's blown up, guys. Burton's YouTube channel is on fire right now. Let me tell you what. He's been cranking out video after video. I've been getting notified all the time. Um, and, and just uh, congratulations, Burton. I, I know you're on your way to 2,000 subs. If you're not there already, um, you, you know, you're just, you're doing great. We're proud of you. And shout out to Burton Moran. Go check out Local Legends, guys. I know most of you are ultra familiar with old Burton. <clears throat> Frogman Fest is on your bucket list. Hey, man, we still have those flight credits. Just saying, we got flight credits <laughs> from gigs that fell through. I tried to get you out to Serpent Mound next year. I'm not going to give up. I know your 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 girl, your wife, fully supports uh, a trip to come see the Strange Road. So we got to make that happen. Um, all right, we can get back into it, y'all. <clears throat> Let me pull up this next article here. I have so many things happening in front of me. I just got to like peek around my microphone to see. <laughs> okay, we got a video for you guys next. I'm going to queue it up for you. Let's restart that. Uh, here we go. Today's been kind of one of those like manic days, and it's definitely bleeding into this episode. 
All right, Bob, let me know if you can hear this. Let me know if you guys can hear this. We're going to just hit the old. All right, here we go, guys. Uh, this is from, this is actually from uh, Reddit. Crazy effing videos in Reddit. Uh, the title is 1964 British Royal Marines were given LSD as an experiment. I know some of you guys probably have seen this video and I know we've referenced it on the show. At least, Bub, I know you have for sure. Um, but let's, let's see. Oh, this, yeah. This is burnt into my memory. <laughs> it's one of the funniest things out there. There we go. Boom. <laughs> in order to test Enjoy. the effects of an incapacitating drug under field conditions, a simple exercise was devised. The troops were given the same quantity of water to drink before each day's exercise. Unknown to the troops, the drug was added to the water on the second day. The drug was given orally to the men in the hospital ward at 11.15. And they immediately embussed, arriving at the exercise area ten minutes later. At 11.40, the first effects of the drug make their appearance. The men no longer take cover, they relax and begin to giggle. At this time, one man is more part. severely affected than the others, losing all contact with the reality, dropping his rifle, and becoming unable to take any part in the operation. In fact, he has to be withdrawn from the exercise a few minutes later. Let's just take a look at this guy's concern right now. Does this look like a guy that's having a good time? I mean, especially when you don't tell them anything. You know, I don't know if they knew exactly what what it was. I mean, back then, who knew what LSD was? That guy's concerned. What do you say, Bob? Concerned Source Rex? Oh, yeah. C concerned Lock Holmes? <laughs> Later. Here we go. Section 2 starts to advance to Redwood. The troops have lost their air of urgency, and many men are laughing. <laughs> Meanwhile, radio communication at the beaches has become difficult, <laughs> if not impossible. I love the dude there that just wraps his head right. he's laughing so hard. He's right. like, just... laughter and inconsequential yeah. behavior, though they are still capable of sustained physical effort. This man it. nearly succeeded in felling this He's tree laughing his using balls only a spade. Off. Just using no. a shovel. Oh my god, he got so far! He got so far! With one man climbing a tree, the troop commander gives oh, up. That's saying, Bob. I cannot do oh, anything Burton, about thank this. You, sir. I cannot yeah. control the Much men love, and Burton. I can take no action myself. I am wiped oh, out god. as an attacking force. Yeah, they Incredible. were just done. Like... But here's the craziest part about that. Like, I don't know if they really, like... The video is actually longer than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. Their whole goal was just to like find this base that was downrange, visible. Yeah, exactly. You could see it on the horizon. All you had to do was walk to it. Yep. And exactly. they were like, nope, can't do it. We're just going to have to take a mulligan on this one. It's too difficult right now. Right. They look like Chris Farley in uh, Black Sheep when he gets on stage <laughs> after hanging out with the Rastas. All right. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, okay, this is what's happening they now. They just you know, push him out on some stage. peanut butter cups. Yeah. Yeah. They just, their, their prerogative and, and point of order totally changed in all of that, which I think yeah. is just so funny. Yeah. God, it's funny. Um, you got to fight for your right. Yeah. I have a dream. Burton, you never seen that? I love it. I'm glad that you not, you had not seen that. Right? That oh, part two shit. in that movie. 
It's so ridiculous. Couldn't find their own uh, ass, as Heather uh, Lamb said. Necro says, to all my pals, I give you consent to toast me without my knowledge. I'll keep that in mind, ne- Necro. I will keep that in mind, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I will say just, if you say you're giving me a glass of water, I want a glass of water. I want to sit down on my couch and start levitating. Right. Exactly. Like this I guy. Need to be, <laughs> might need to be mentally strapped in for that one. Who knows? Even oh, then, my yeah. God. Oh, that's too funny. Well, we go from that to the wolves of Chernobyl, who fairly uh, seems yep. like they have uh, resistance to cancer. How wild is that? We're getting into Marvel X-Men type territory here. How crazy is that? Yeah, that's wild. And before we even dive into that, let's just extrapolate. Okay, we know about Chernobyl, right? <laughs> we, as a populace, as a society, there's no, hey... Yeah. Yeah, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Chernobyl happened, like everybody knows about it. But what I'm getting yeah. at is what happens to all the other radioactive, toxic crap that goes into mountains and tubs and jars and whatever those big barrels and throw them off in the like Point Pleasant, West dropping Virginia. nuclear bombs. Even the storyline for maybe isn't that part of like the Godzilla? At one of the parts of the storyline is like it's nuclear fallout or radiation from all that that's like creating yeah. him. Yeah, which is ingenious because again, like. We're putting out all this weird pollution, like it's gonna have an effect. I mean, mm-hmm. the Simpsons, who are never wrong, oh, apparently, yeah. <laughs> they even did it early, early, early on with right. a three eyed fish, and that was like, yeah, I remember that being super funny. And well, that was like eating the, the three eyed fish was like getting past a, it, a bigger three eyed fish. Remember, and it get no, I think they cooked it, didn't they? Oh, I can't remember. That's they like caught them. season one. That, That's what I'm saying. That's old. That's was in old. the remember the arcade game that we would spend dollar after dollar oh, yeah. in quarters playing well, the Simpsons arcade there's game. A lot of them. You could have slapped X-Men. any cartoon on it. That yeah. There you go. <laughs> Ninja Turtles, X Men, or Simpsons. Yeah. We'll play it. I don't care what Ninja it costs. Ninja Turtles uh, arcade game was the best. Oh but, man. Anyways, that's just more like thinking out loud of like you know. It's almost like a, a low grade, you know, experiment that we've been doing a long time. It's just kind of like, hey, what happens if all this, you know, muck is out there, and what happens? But anyhow, right? Recent study revealed that wolves affected by radiation in Chernobyl seem to have become resistant to cancer, reported by Sky News. Uh, Gives scientists hope that this discovery could assist in battling the disease in humans. Let's hope so, because it's been a long time, and we need to start getting some cures for that stuff. Uh, In 1986, a nuclear reactor exploded at Chernobyl. If you don't know about this, we'll give you a brief history lesson here. Power plant in Ukraine, leading to the evacuation of over 100,000 people due to the release of cancer-causing radiation. Since then, the area has remained deserted with the establishment of the Chernobyl Exclusion Zone, covering a 1,000-square-mile area to keep people out and minimize the risk of cancer from the remaining radiation. Despite humans not returning, wildlife such as wolves and horses continue to inhabit Dear. the abandoned city's wastelands for over yep. 35 years after the disaster. Dr. Kara Love, an evolutionary biologist and ecotoxicologist wow, from Princeton University in the U.S., has been investigating how wolves in Chernobyl managed to survive despite being exposed to radioactive particles for generations. In 2014, uh, Dr. Love and her team visited the Chernobyl Exclusion Zone. Is that what it's called? Yes. Um, and outfitted wolves with radio collars to track their movements for the research. Um, 
they gave them real-time measurements of where the wolves are and how much radiation they're exposed to, you know, because different areas are going to have higher densities of radiation. Right. Um, additionally, they collected blood samples, you know, from the wolves to examine how their bodies react to cancer-causing radiation. Um, the researchers uncovered that Chernobyl wolves endure exposure to over 11.28 milliram of radiation daily throughout their lives, exceeding the legal safety limit for humans by more than six times. That's in a day. So these things are getting blasted. Wow. Also, fun fact, I want to say, maybe I'm wrong about this. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe it's just an old wives' tale and I've bought into the myth. But when you go flying in a plane, you get more radiation when you're up in the air. Right? It's not lead line in this and that. Can anybody correct me on that? And if not, I'm going to say that it's correct. Um, Dr. Love observed that the wolves exhibit uh, modified immune systems resembling those of cancer patients undergoing radiation therapy. Uh, more significantly, she pinpointed specific sections of the wool's genetic makeup that appear resistant to heightened cancer risks. While much research in humans focuses on uh, mutations that elevate cancer susceptibility, such as the um, BRCA uh, gene variant associated with increased breast cancer or ovarian cancer likelihood, Dr. Love's work aims to identify protective mutations that enhance the chances of surviving cancer. The researchers uh, have been unable to return to the CEZ or the Chernobyl Exclusion Zone in recent years due to the pandemic and Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Dr. Love said our priority is for uh, people and collaborators there to be as safe as possible. So understandable. Maybe there's a little bit of pause and work there as, you know, um, <laughs> it's like Wayne and Garth. Game off. There's a war on, so you got to get off on. of, you know. There you go. That's my analogy for the day. <laughs> for well, far too long in, in the world, Wayne and Garth have not been playing street hockey. For most of the time, it's been game off <laughs> as cars are driving down the roads. Right. Anyhow. Exactly. <laughs> hey, you got it. Oh, you boy. got it. You hey, we it. got some we got some more people rolling in. Stoner's dad, welcome, man. Uh Stoner's dad, much, much love to you and the family uh for everything that's happening right now. Oh, everything is going great, brother. Um, and we also have uh who else just popped in here? Oh, Stookie. What's happened? Our buddy Stookie just popped in here also. <coughs> A little break to kind of say what's up to everybody. <coughs> I can do this next one. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Uh, I think somebody from Discord actually posted this, if I remember correctly. And, and let us know in the chat who you are, if this is uh, if this is one of yours. But I know there was, pretty sure there was a conversation about this happening. World's largest snake species discovered, captured on camera in the Amazon. All right, here we go. I don't think there's any audio. Oh, sorry, guys. Stand by. Here we go. I don't think there's any audio. Oh, there is audio. Okay, there you go. Boom. Look at that, bro. Sorry. Damn, dude. And like, what's up with the collared shirt? And it seems like this guy's getting ready to go, like hanging out after a wedding or something. Hey man, when you see the world's largest anaconda, do you yeah, give a shit if right. you got the right attire? Right, exactly. 
He's just got a little... Looks like he was pretty prepared, though, with the breathing apparatus. Wow. I'm sure he had that on the way to the ceremony of whatever he was attending. Right. Some kind of festive ball or wedding or right. party. And then he said, hey, look at that giant anaconda. I mean, when I was in Manuel Antonio or whatever it is down in uh, Costa Rica, I did the same with a giant python. Yeah. I ran towards it. Everybody else ran away. I'm like, that's not a poisonous one. Right. So that was uh, Freak Vonk. Uh, he's a Dutch wildlife ex- expert. That was the guy in the video. Um, it says, scientists have discovered the world's largest snake species in the heart of the Amazon ra- rainforest. A giant anaconda that had previously been undocumented was recently discovered by TV wildlife presenter <laughs> Professor Freak Vonk. Captured on National Geographic Expedition. The giant snake measured 26 feet long and oh, weighed yeah. around a half a ton, bro. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, my no God. Do you guys want to watch that again? I mean, I kind of want to watch that again because I, I didn't have it full screen. Water helping to augment some of that weight all the time. We're going to watch live, this again. Spend a lot of their time in water, too. Right. Like that thing's not slugging across the it's ground a lot. It. Right. 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 You know. It's, it's a lot to move. That's huge. That thing. <clears throat> I still don't think it could eat him. It could you kill him, so? obviously, but I don't think. I know. I, I think the shoulders are always too wide. But aren't they known to eat pretty big caiman and be able to swallow like caiman? That's pretty narrow. Side? Yeah. And their their arms and everything tuck in real well. Our shoulders are a little too um, wide. Maybe that one could get him down. I don't know. I'll bet the head on that thing is about the size of a St. Bernard. Well, its middle of its body to me seems a lot thicker than his entire body. Like it seems that way fat. Is massive. Yeah, if you're weighing a half a ton, you're 26 feet long. Right. I mean, come on, that thing it's is ridiculous. Effing mungus. Right. Unbelievable. Yeah, you know, we had snakes growing up. I don't think I need a snake ever that could, you know, poison me to death or strangle me to death. So, yeah. I, you know, it's kind of like how I view dogs. Like, you know, I love my dog, but he's small enough that, you know, he's not going to ever, like, overpower me. He just, it's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Like, if I had a big, big dog where one day he was like, hey, I think I'm going to rule the house. It might be, yeah. like, oh, I'm in trouble. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just not a, that's not a great scenario to be in for me. No, no. Was well, Harry guys, Potter nearby? <laughs> <laughs> and for the second part of your question, Burton, I think that's what she said. <laughs> oh, dude, you just can't yeah, help yourself, right. man. No, nope. you just can't help you know yourself. What? Yeah, I blame my wife. Yeah, you do. I'd never uh, heard that's what she said until I met her. I just didn't do him. I didn't even know what it meant. It took me a long time. <laughs> Burton, you want to do this next one, Mikey? Since you had that vidya, yep, I got the next one. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> and this next one is from IFL Science. We've had a lot of good articles from IFL Science back uh, there. You go so far this year, but uh, this is good. This is Doctor Russell M- uh, Mule Mole Mule uh, and. Chili's ancient mummies are thousands of years older than Egyptians. 
So there's a lot of famous mummies. You know, that's where those Atacame Desert, those little alien mummies, not the ones that they unveiled in Mexico, but the the ones with the, kind of the big long heads. Some of you guys may have seen those. Uh, when you hear the word mummy, we bet your mind goes straight to the tried and bandaged remains of a long-preserved Egyptian pharaoh. However, despite their t- their fame, these specimens are not the oldest mummies in the world. That title belongs to the Chichoro people of Chile's Atacame Desert who mummified their dead 7,000 years ago. And the Atacame Desert is one of the driest places on the earth. So it just, oh, how about that? Oh, my light just went out. Oh, boy. <laughs> like out, out? Yeah, it just totally, oh, hold on a second. You know what? I Did think you, I, I kicked it. I'll bet you I kicked, kicked it. <laughs> Button. Jeez. Um. How about now? Bear with us, everybody, as Mikey is tending to his difficulties. Might be might be a real thing. Wouldn't that be something? It's right in the middle of it. Light goes out. Like this morning, 5 a.m., anybody in Ohio are close enough that you heard the sirens this morning around Columbus. <clears throat> Man, those things were impressive. So, uh, all right. So, I think you stopped at these ancient seminaries are now inscribed on the UNESCO World Heritage List for their archaeological value, as they not only provide insights into this strange form of mummification, but also how the Chinchoro, Chinchoro communities functioned and how they were socially and spiritually structured. Importantly, unlike the Egyptians who reserved mummification for the social elite, Chinchoro offered as a ritual for everyone. So cool. I like that. All inclusive. Um, it's an all skate, all mum. So how did the Chinchoro mummify their dead? Well, the process was different to how the Egyptians approached it. First, the body would be stripped of its skin and organs removed. So cool. Gotcha. Body cavities were dry. Once that happened, the skin would be sewn back on. Wow. The bodies were also sometimes wrapped in elaborate materials such as reeds, sea lion skins, and alpaca wool. Um, Then the faces would be covered in clay where a mask was then placed that had openings for the eyes and mouth. Finally, the mummies were given wigs made of human hair before being buried in the desert. The hope being that the arid conditions would preserve them forever. The first Chinchoro mummy was documented in 1917 by Max Uhl a German archaeologist who discovered some of the bodies on a beach. Clearly, these specimens were old, but at the time, it was not possible to date them accurately. Then with carbon dating, they were put a date on them at uh, 7,000 years old. Um, Since the first discovery over 100 years ago, hundreds of other mummies have been found in the desert. Some of these have been discovered during building works or unearthed by curious animals. So, you know, natural cause and effect of building a new building and we dig up the ground or just, you know, animals actually find them. That's interesting. Um, communities living in uh, Erica in northern Chile have been aware of these special bodies for a long time. This is because the bodies are close to the surface, so they are easy to discover. Wow. Again, I, this, this article has never, I've never had this many wows in one article. <laughs> As such, these people have learned to live with the dead that are scattered throughout their hometowns. Like, okay. They see them as part of their heritage and feel responsible for taking care of them. Oh, wow. 
Um, unfortunately, due to climate change, many of the Chinchorro graves are being unearthed by abnormal weather events, which exposes the bodies to the elements. This will have serious impacts on their conservation for the future as archaeologists struggle to fund efforts to recover and preserve them. Um, the museums are a bit overwhelmed with all this material. A leading expert on the Chinchorro uh, told the Guardian, even those held within museums are now threatened by climate change uh, conditions. The rise in ambient humidity has led to some mummies to sprout mold, while others have fallen to dry rot or hungry insects. All these challenges are exacerbated by the variety of materials that cover the mummies, each needing its own condition for storage. In 2022, a new climate-controlled museum near Erica was being um, constructed to house the Chinchorro mummies. It is hoped that this sophisticated facility worth around 19 million may help protect these valuable artifacts from the distant past. I've got to say kudos. Oh, whoa. Kudos. Um, I just looked down. Wandering Wolf just popped in the chat. Jeez, hey, what's happening, Michael chat, Collins? The sticker and the uh, shout out, dude. Appreciate yeah. you. Can't Much wait to love, talk dude. to you. dude. Welcome. I have, I have thoughts about this, this, this mummies and yeah. As much as I'm a, yeah, I'm for certain things. This seems over and above. Like, I don't know how to put it. How how do I want to say this? I don't know. Like mummies. Okay. Yep. What, even the Egyptian mummies. What did we do? We didn't leave them alone. Like, yeah. At least here they want to rebury them or this or that or whatever. But I guess what I'm saying is, look, when 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 they were buried or mummified. There's all the best intentions that this would last forever. Is that right. guaranteed? No. The earth is going to do what it's going to do. I, I'm not trying to say. It's just more of like maybe these things aren't meant to stay around. Like, you know, if it starts right. coming up and it starts sprouting mold, like I throw it out of my fridge. <laughs> or like, you know, there, there's just – I don't know how to say it. Like these are definitely interesting, but as the, you know – climate and, and atmosphere around it changes if that's what's really happening i mm -hmm. mean could you imagine walking through your town or your home area and there's bodies kicking up out of the ground like literally like that's what you're I, that's wild but i mean it's the same my wife and i just went for a walk through the cemetery the other day because it was nice right good big spot but it's a weird concept of like okay if we buried everybody at some point there's just not going to be any space you literally just get to it. Do the math. Take long enough time. We just put somebody on every square inch of this planet. Then what? Yeah. We got to move because we turned the whole earth into a graveyard. Like I'm all for like, you know, paying respects and what have you. But, you know, animals out in, out in the wilderness, they go off and even hell, even animals that I've had, dogs that have wandered off, you know, they go do what they do and yep, go back to the earth and the whole, I even think of, um, you know, making the big mandalas out of the sand with the 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 monks and what? Yeah, those are them. amazing. When those that's done, the first incredible. thing they do is whoosh, swipe yep. it all away. Gone because it's it is fleeting. Nothing yep. is permanent. The impermanence of things, and we have to appreciate things in a certain way. And but that's yeah. just I I I I'd never heard of mummies of this facet. I was like, man, yeah, the Chilean. That's interesting. The Chilean mummies are. Getting a lot of attention lately. It's um, just no just joke. Be I mean, because of how well preserved they are, too. Yeah, but did you hear what they did? I mean, they de-skinned them and then sewed it back on them like... Like very like advanced. taxidermied them. <laughs> I'm telling well, you, and I that, can't go the, through all that. 
that's part of the earmarks of uh, that Mexican, the the one, the body that the uh, Mexican government <laughs> rolled out is that people thought it was put together. Who are you laughing at in the I'm chat? Because <laughs> <laughs> who's making bubble out? To tell anybody that's going to listen back to this, I'm just cracking up here because Mikey's light, he's been having an issue. Oh, with his I, put light the lamp, I put the lamp up in front of yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> but Burton said this kind of thing doesn't happen on Mikey's OnlyFans. <laughs> Oh no! I got a way better setup for that in the other <laughs> you got room. A ring light. You oh got yeah. A swing. Yeah. It's it's all these. God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> got it wired up into the ceiling and coming down oh, here. Wow, oh, that's rich. You guys are great. Uh, uh, all right, I can do the next one since I yeah. basically made you do all of them so far. You got to uh, go. Here we go. All right, let's hit it. And this is from February 20th, 2024. This is from scientificamerican.com. Europe's oldest human-made megastructure discovered under the Baltic Sea. I think we've talked about the Baltic Sea in the past as well, of just those areas. And I can't remember who who it was with. Maybe it was Michael Collins. Um, but there's... A lot of those regions have been war-torn for so long that we're just going to start probably discovering what's going on in places like Bosnia and around that region. Uh, I think in the next 20 years, it might be one of the biggest archaeological hotspots because people are starting to finally get a lot of data and, and, and travel there to, you know, there could have been like ridiculous ancient civilizations around these parts. And that's what it sounds like this is. Um the following essay, uh, th so archaeologists have identified what may be Europe's oldest human-made band structure. It's submerged 20 meters below the Baltic Sea in the Bay of Mecklenburg, Germany. This structure, which has been named the Blinker Wall, is a continuous low wall made from over 1,500 granite stones that run for almost a kilometer. The evidence suggests it was constructed by Paleo Paleolithic people uh, which it seemed to be around 11,700 and 9,900 years ago. Whoa, dude. That's like, uh, you know, that's like turkey levels. Uh, you know, some of these places in, uh, that they're finding in Turkey and Gobekli Tepe, that's at the tip of my tongue. I mean, you're talking that level of old. Uh, it's, it's, Probably an aid for hunting reindeer. So some kind of advanced wall used for, you know, channeling them into a certain area to then, you know, be able to harvest meat. So the archaeologists investigating the Bay of Mecklenburg used a range of submarine equipment, sampling methods, and used a range uh, of sampling method methods and modeling techniques to reconstruct the ancient lake bed and its surrounding landscape. This revealed that the blinker wall stands on a ridge running east to west with a five kilometer wide lake basin a few meters below the ridge to the south. The human, <clears throat> rather than natural origin for the blinker wall, was confirmed by an archaeological diving team who photographed sections of the wall. These show that it is made up of 228 very large boulders, which were probably dropped in that location by the retreating, by the retreating glacier connected by 1,673 smaller stones. 
These smaller stones appear to have been collected from the immediate vicinity as the area just to the north of the wall has many fewer stones than the areas even further north. The resulting structure stands a little under a meter in height and up to two meters wide, with a remarkable regularity over its 971-meter length. So, a different landscape. At the time of its construction, the landscapes of the seascapes of Northwest Europe were very different from today. The climate was beginning to warm, and the colder Pleistocene era ended, and the warmer Holocene era began. Sea levels were much lower, and large glaciers sat over much of Fenscandia. Fenoscandia. So, there you go. It's not a joke. You know, that's a pretty decent construction, I will say. Um, Sorry, I was eating gummy. Gummy. <laughs> nice, bub. <laughs> hey, I had it on mute, though. You didn't hear you, me over here chomping, a little, right? No, you can a little, uh, little sugar action. Some Scandinavian Gotta... swimmers is what they're called. Yeah. I don't know if that's... Um, Culturally offensive or not, but uh, Trader Joe's is okay with it. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, I want to tell his head, uh, tell him from, never mind. We'll discuss that later. Um, I was actually going to see about, do you want to, uh, this next article, we kind of yeah. covered already. Yeah. In a different article. Mm -hmm. We've already discussed this story, but this talks about, anyhow. I would say I would rather jump over that one and go to the next one if we can. The I think that Antarctica, more interesting Antarctica, uh -huh. yeah. But the second Antarctic, okay, story. The first one I don't really want. Which jump what's into it from? Much. What's it from? Uh, BBC. Okay, but because I, we I already talked about it, we already covered. Okay, okay. So I wanted to go into the one from the fifteenth of February that is uh, Iran claims property rights to Antarctica and plans to build okay. naval base. Okay. Let's just Stand start by. there. Who it up. Who had Iran claiming Antarctica as theirs? In the in the bingo, you know, conspiracy theorist bingo card, you know, always the <laughs> joke. Hey, who had Iran uh, claiming Antarctica for this year? Right, uh, right. You know, right. Hands raised. <laughs> Nobody. But the Iranian Navy commander, Rear Admiral Shahram Irani announced in September last year that the country owned Antarctica and would build a military <laughs> operation there. Quote, we have property rights in the South Pole. We have planned to raise our flag there and carry out military and scientific work, uh, as quoted by Fox News. Um, in response to a query, if the recent U.S. unfreezing of $6 billion in Iranian funds held in Qatar could be used for Tehran to set up a base in the South Pole, the U.S. State Department spokesperson said no. Those funds are only meant for uh, humanitarian goods, so food, medicine, medical devices, and agricultural products. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't think this is a, like I won't say it's not real, right? But what what sparks this at this moment? I guess now's as good a, good a time as any to put a claim up for the cold continent. But do you? Does that make any sense to you? 
out of nowhere, it's just like, hey, no. we want Iran in the middle of what's going on right now. Maybe it's a great move. It's like a game move in the game of spoons where you just sneak the spoon off the table. Right. Maybe they shouldn't even said anything. They should have just went down there and started setting up shop. But um, it's publicity, publicity stunt. Take the focus off well, of, you know, I don't know. You know, we it's we just like have all the other countries that are claiming territory there, though. They said, you know, Iran could do, you know, and claim an interest in Antarctica similar to India, Australia, New Zealand, or Chile's, um, or UK or France for that matter, with their island outposts in the southern hemisphere. So there's enough that it, it's, it's, I don't know enough about Antarctica one. And what I mean is, the, the agreed upon rules, like what's the rules of the game of Antarctica? Basically, it seems like you can go down there and do a little bit of research. You know, there's certain stations and, and scientific study going on. But one of the other ways to kind of get your foot in the door down there is to do that. So mm-hmm. I wonder if we're going to see more and more money start to be pumped into that as a move of, hey, we want to do science. But really, it's whoever gets down there and starts setting up shop the hardest right. gets to stay. Yeah. So, I don't know. You know, obviously, climate change is always a conversation that goes on. Um, you know, the concern of melting ice, especially when you're a bunch of ice at the South Pole. Maybe something actually will finally happen. Maybe, you know, maybe they will discover something down there. I don't know. I mean, to me, Antarctica is just super interesting. I like to joke that, you know... <clears throat> The answers are down there, but who knows? I mean, to me, it is one of the last no doubt. parts of the scratch-off lottery ticket that we haven't, you know, uncovered. Yeah. We haven't looked under there. We don't know what's under there. It could be a triple pot of gold, you know? It could, <laughs> be, the, could be the entrance to Agartha. Who knows? <laughs> Remember what we could talked the about wall. when you were freaking out about Antarctica? You're like, we need to just do, like, yeah. a whole, whole episode on Antarctica because, you know, it's just – it's one of those subjects that always pops up. But if you guys There's ever so much. heard, if you've ever heard of Dr. Michael Sala, Michael, Dr. Michael Sala is, you know, he, his thing was. Did we was, meet him? Yes, we did. We interviewed him yeah. in, in 2019 DOD. at Dimensions of Disclosure event. Um, but Dr. Michael Sala kind of hitched his wagon to some interesting people. We'll just say that. I'm not going to say names because I don't want to get sued, frankly. Um, but Dr. Michael Sala has really interesting research on Antarctica and some of the, you know, you hear about the pyramid, you hear about secret underground bases there. There's massive amounts of technology. That's why it's off limit. And, and all these things, you know, a lot of those theories and, and really kind of blew up in 2017, 2019 from, I think, Dr. Michael Sala. Um, but one thing he talks about is soon Antarctica is going to be Part of the UFO disclosure is Antarctica is going to be one of the dominoes that falls first. So they'll basically let us know, hey, there's this technology down here. And it'll be one of the ways that they'll use to essentially tell us about uh, UFOs, extraterrestrials. And it'll be part of this kind of soft disclosure that really starts to amp up. And Antarctica is going to be a part of that. So uh, that's what he talked to us about when we interviewed him in 2019. And I always thought of that. So now, you know, we're starting to hear about Antarctica so much. And I just wonder if maybe Michael Sala, of all the things he kind of bought, hook, line, and sinker, maybe these are one of the things that he was right about. And maybe if 2024 is going to be this big year for disclosure, 
then uh oh it's uh, coming it's already here antarctica might be one of the you know the tip of the spear 2024 Um, yeah it's gonna be it's it's, it's already shaping up to be as strange as you want it to be it's the year yeah of weird yeah absolutely so uh you know what i didn't there we go okay so did i skip ahead nope you're good yep we're on the the last one i think we got one more um let's take a look here i'll get that pulled up what's going on in the chat bub i'm trying to get everybody convinced that there's something going on in antarctica (laughs) and somehow we should get down there we should start our own tour to antarctica uh all right cool here we go nasa is looking for volunteers to live in its Mars simulation for a year. Wow. I saw okay. Biodome. Yeah. <laughs> we could make a, we could make hella content. You know, it'd be hilarious just to follow Bub with cameras around in a place like that. <laughs> in some kind of Mars simulation. I'd actually and probably do pretty good in an environment like that. No real might, work. You might. Just try to survive. Yeah. Right. I think I'd be okay in that environment. Yeah, you wouldn't be bad. So what would you bring to keep what you busy? Yeah, what would you bring in if you had a year in a Mars simulation? What are you doing? Go. What are you bringing? I think they're trying to figure out how to live in there, aren't they? It's not just about um, like cohabitation. It's about... Well, if it was... Right, you, am I wrong about that? What would you bring? If it was bring, me, what would I need or what, what would, would I bring? What would you bring? What would you bring if you were the guy going into the simulation? You know... Is, I'd need a guitar. That is... You can play guitar in space. Simulated guitar? Like, what, is, what are we what talking about? simulated? Here? What are you talking about simulated? Well, what's the simulated environment, you know? This? Yeah, it's just They're like going a in a big, building. Giant, right. It's not a virtual headset. Like, you're going to be in a place. Like... They're not letting you leave at the end of the day. This is like Biodome. Like, you got to go in there and you're stuck. Like, I don't know that I'm doing that. Are you Polly Shore in this situation? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Who is the other one? Is it Stephen Baldwin? Yeah, Stephen Baldwin. Yeah, his buddy. All right, here we go. (laughs) And if extreme challenges are up are your cup of tea. NASA has the perfect opportunity for you. The space agency put on a call Friday for volunteers to participate in its second year long simulated Mars mission. The crew health and performance exploration analog or CHEPE for the duration of the mission, which will start in spring of 2025. The four selected crew members will be housed in a 1,700-square-foot 3D-printed habitat in Houston. NASA is accepting applications on the CHEPA website from now through April 2nd. It's a paid gig, but NASA hasn't publicly said how much participants will be compensated. There's going to be a lot of people signing up for this, you know. I will. There you go. There's a shot, guys, of uh, of the, the environment. I mean, it's pretty interesting. So the Mars Dune Alpha Habitat 
at NASA's Johnson Space Center is designed to simulate what life might be like for future explorers on the Red Planet. Where the environment is harsh and resources will be limited, there the, there's a crew currently living and working there as a part of the first Chepe mission. And right now, it says... There we go. To be considered, applicants must be a citizen aged 30 to 55, speak English proficiently, and have a master's degree in STEM field, plus at least two years of professional experience, a minimum of 1,000 hours piloting an aircraft or two years of work towards STEM. Doctoral programs, certain types of professional experience may allow applicants without a master's to qualify too. CHEPE 2 is the second of three missions NASA has planned for the program, the first is which beginning on uh, began on June 25th, 2023. Wow. That's wild. Yeah, I'm not doing that. You know? Going in the simulator? <laughs> no. Nah, you don't want to be stuck inside some weird building for a year and <laughs> no. probably where they film the other <laughs> no. moon landings with Kubrick. <laughs> You're on stage B. Yeah. Studio come B. Come walking in for come reporting in for Mars duty one day and they're like filming yeah. the moon landing, like, what? Yeah. Get what out of here, Barry. Beat it. <laughs> oh man. That's great. Guess what? I have one article I wanted to sneak in. Okay, go ahead. Um, and I'll throw it in the chat just because if anybody wants to see it. Sure. But this one I think is interesting because it's Death Valley. Mm-hmm. And the, the article is, after heavy storms, Death Valley is now open to kayakers. There we go. Remember the Havamas? Yep. Oh, I remember. I remember. And when the water went away, what'd they do? They started making flying ships instead of the ships that they sail right. across the lake in and their silver right. kayaks and canoes. The water's back in Death Valley. Here we go. Antarctica's getting talked about. Here we go. Half-mosubs. claims being made to Antarctica. Returning. Global warming's rampant, maybe because the half-mosubs are like, baby, we're coming back with our kayaks and canoes oh, yeah. and we're going to flood this planet. And Death Valley's good. But it's got water. And I'm just being very <laughs> hyperbolic here, obviously. <laughs> But no, back to this is a real thing. I mean, and Death Valley is obviously not named that because it's usually just overflowing with life-giving water, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's a valley of death. So right. having this much water come in and cause this to happen is so cool. So storms pummeling Southern California have dramatically transformed Death Valley National Park, doubling the size of a vast temporary lake that is even visible to orbiting spacecraft. Although water sports are definitely rarity for the hottest place on Earth. Park ranger Abby Wines recently launched a small inflatable kayak on the waters that now cover the salt flats of Badwater Basin. It was really calm and really peaceful and very still, she said of her voyage late Friday afternoon. She returned the next day with her boyfriend for another go to go out on the water. I mean, wouldn't you? Like, this is such a rare event. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's crazy. As of mid-February, the lake, referred to as Lake Manly, uh, probably because it doesn't even have a name anymore, was six miles long and three miles wide and up to two feet deep in some places. So we'll call it a lake, but, you know, uh, albeit the kayak might be a little over top, but I'd still say it's worth it. Spreading ethereally over the lowest region in northern America, the floodwaters reflect mountains that rise around it, including snow-capped Telescope Peak to the west. The lake is shallow, but enough to buoy a small watercraft for the time being. 
I mean, that's just even the pictures. Like, if if anybody does go to this article, it's just pretty stunning. It kind of reminds me of like the salt flats, or um, I can't get it to link. I want to say it's to click. What's that? I can't get the link to click. Oh, I don't know really? if anybody else is having that. Oh, there it goes. Cool. Did you get it? I was yeah. I was going to throw it up. Got it. Copy. We're good. Um. Yeah. Uh, where was I? Let's see. Um. Where did I stop at? Okay, there, there we go. go. So, uh, quote, it will probably be uh, deep uh, deep enough uh, to kayak for maybe another couple of weeks, uh, possibly longer than that, but you know that water's going to get out of there. So, so if there's any procrastinating, you should get out there now is the quote. Um, the lake made an appearance last year after the unseasonable arrive of Hillary, a hurricane that degraded to a post-tropical low by the time it hit Southern California. Uh, before that, waters last covered the uh, typically dry, crusty basin in 2005, so it's been a little while. Um, in August 2023, Hillary dumped 2.2 inches of rain on the park, more than the barren landscape typically sees in a year. Uh, water collected in the Badwater Basin, which is 282 feet below sea levels. Man, it's like a bowl down there. Um, water levels continued to recede in the fall and winter, but the lake didn't totally evaporate as park officials had predicted. So then early this month, an atmospheric river filled it back up, um, dumping one and a half inches between February 4th and 7th. Um, this is so wild. Um, so the lake doubled inside after the deluge this month. Um, Death Valley, like we said earlier, wasn't always so bone dry. During the Ice Age, a behemoth lake, also called Manly, stretched across Badwater Basin and reached to a depth of 600 feet. So that's a lot different. Um, it vanished about 10,000 years ago, but a smaller version manifested itself about three years, uh, 3,000 years ago during a period known as the Little Ice Age. Um, and one of the other things that's really cool, too, the, the heavy rain so far hasn't led to a surge in wildflowers or a phenomenon uh, referred to as a super bloom. I don't know if you've ever seen a super bloom. You can see those from space when yeah. algae. literally the wildflowers like, oh, we got enough water. Cool. Let's get out. Let's do it again. Spread our seeds. Wait, you know, another couple hundred years or whatever it is until we get enough water. So, but yeah, I couldn't help it. I thought that article was so cool. And I know I'll forget about it by the next time we do Strange <laughs> Happening. So I had to sneak it in there. No, it's good. We'll put it in the links. Put it in the description. That was a good one. Man, you guys rule. Oh. Chat's on fire tonight, Bub. Gummy worms got Bub is what Brad said. <laughs> Need a little bit of sugar here and there. Get the brain spinning. Yeah, the chat's been hopping tonight, like way on fire. And uh, you know what? One thing I just realized, that I didn't hit record on anything until about 40 minutes into the show, so... There don't you know go. what that means at all. Is that good <laughs> or bad? Well, that's how we get we upload our audio to uh, all the Apple, Spotify, and uh, and get that oh. turned over pretty quickly. So, you know what? It's uh, all going to work out. We can pull it down from YouTube. That's great. There we go. Hey man, these uh, these shows we're dialing them in all the time. We're trying to uh, you know be a little bit more flexible, flexible, but still have awesome production value and uh, be able to have visuals and all the cool stuff. And we've been experimenting. It's been it's been a massive learning experience, and we've had some really great shows. And uh, but I think you know as we go along, we're we're getting this stuff uh, super dialed in. I think. So it's all looking and sounding great. Uh, 
last week, the two weeks ago, Strange Happenings was was an interesting one. I know most of you guys were on that one. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you know what, guys? <laughs> I'm catching up on the live chat. Uh, yeah, all you guys... Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. We really, really appreciate the hell out of each and every one of you guys. And also, uh, if you guys are so. going to be at Frogman Fest, hit us up. <clears throat> join the Discord. That's where a lot of this stuff is going to be. Uh, communications, if, if uh, you know, DM us, pop it in the general chat. Uh, if you guys haven't joined the Discord yet, the links are in the description. Um, and don't forget about the Strange Road merch store, uh, strangeroadmerch.com. Uh, if you guys haven't gotten your hoodies, t-shirts, mugs, all those things. And also, if you like the new merch, which let's put that up one more time. Why not, bub? Here's the Mikey Master I think Control the new merch can. Is awesome. Yeah. Uh, got some new designs. No little... shirts you can't really see from that without you got one that's purple with yeah. black with the logo. And then the other one is a, a what, sage green. Really nice. Looking green with a silver logo on the front. And then we actually have a hooded long sleeve blue shirt in the back with a different logo on the breast on the left <laughs> side of the chest. Yeah. Here, I'm going to pull them up. All right, Bob. You, you they're keep, cool. Uh, pull them up there. They're really, they're nice. They're quality um, T-shirts. A little closer uh, here. You know, a little bit different than what we did, you know, with uh, what we got on the merch store. So. Um, no light. That's why we. Yep. You don't have a light on? Oh, your light went out entirely. How did you light your face? Oh, you brought that light over there. I see it now in the studio cam shot. Yeah, there's no light in here. Uh, that's right. Got to get that little yeah, cable you still replaced. Have, you used to have a lot of lights around you. Well, it does. They What's don't... the back of the hat look like, Net Necro said? Uh, uh, the so back of the a, hat it's is a trucker, uh, hat. It's a trucker hat. Yeah. Yeah, it won't stand by. So it's a uh, merge. It's not a full, yeah, cloth back. The front though yeah. is real nice, and then the the actual badge, the leather badge, is really nice. Um, I mean, they're I, I like to think I'm a hat guy. They're pretty fire um, for getting some custom made hats up like that. Um, but yeah, we have them at that version, and then we have them in solid black with the yeah. same solid black uh, leather um, logo badge. But they're cool. I dig them. Yeah, absolutely. No, have to get some have to get some simple caps made too, some knitted hats for me. Yeah, we're going to keep adding. We have a few more designs that they made us that we really liked. And uh so, you know, maybe in a month or two we release a different design with, you know, uh well, it might be getting too warm for like a knit hat, but uh, you know, we'll keep adding more and more and uh yep. Seeing what's up. See what you guys like, what you don't like. Our logo has so much going on in it that what we realized is you can take a lot of the cool elements that are in the logo and kind of pull them out and, and reimagine in a just kind of a more simple design uh, using this, all the shapes and the moon and the cactuses and, and all the different uh, elements and kind of breaking that down. So, I mean, we can just almost anything you can dream of. And one thing we'd love to do really are trying to do is team up with a local artists and have them come up with a, a, a series of designs 
and you know give them a theme like cryptids, UFOs, ancient civilizations, um, and you know see what they can dream up. And that's something that we uh, want to move forward and support local artists here in the Columbus area, support our friends, and do some cool collaborations. So, uh, yeah, we got some stuff coming down the pipe, guys. And you all are just amazing for watching and listening every single week. We've been trying to live stream more. Um, and uh, I think it's the live streaming has been awesome. You know, it's it's definitely uh, one of those things that technically for me to be doing that is, you know, that's uh, Stoner, Disbro, those guys in Master Control. I'm still, you know, getting my getting my bearings. So you guys are uh, right there with us. And we appreciate the support and everything. Um, Truth Seeker, what's happening? Who else we got in here? Nancy, Stoner's dad, Heather Lamb. We had Necro. We had Burton, Dancing Lights, Chasing Mound Builders. I saw you in there before. Justin Lamb. Um, if I missed you, Mr. David Burke. Uh, Flutz. Sess in the City, of course. Uh, our boy, Born Not to Run, thank you so much for moderating tonight. Um, and you guys can find us at The Strange Road on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Wherever you're on platforms, we're getting uh, thanks to Lil Comb, uh, my nephew. Go check out all his music and everything he's got going on in Spotify. He's on YouTube. Uh, he's been helping us with uh you know, keeping things going and, and shorts, TikToks, Instagram reels and those things. And so, uh, much love to him and, uh, everybody, if you're going to be at Frogman Fest, we'll see you there. Come hang out. And if you're here on YouTube, make sure you hit that like button. If you're not subscribed, subscribe, got to hit that notification bell. Keep those five-star reviews coming. And, uh, yeah, it's been uh, Bub. Any last words from you? No. Give me Ready the Frogman Fest. Frogman Fest. Here we come. All That's right, wrong. guys. Much love, peace, and chicken grease to all. <laughs>